Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite and to explore yoga in its breadth and its depth. And today we have the opportunity to look at the intersection between meditation, prayer, and presence, and how the practices of meditation and prayer complement each other and can meet at that summit of divine presence. And I have the perfect person today um, to talk with about uh, prayer and presence and meditation. I'm joined today by Reverend Newsom Holmes. Um, he is the senior minister at Unity of the Triangle in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, from an early age, Reverend Newsom knew he was going to be a spiritual leader, and he began a serious quest in life for answers and spiritual growth. He's, he has studied Eastern religions, mythology, meditation, and different healing modalities, in addition to um, gaining a psychology degree from University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And the website for Unity of the Triangle um, Church is unitytriangle.org. Org. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, looking forward to being back with um, Reverend Newsom and his uh, congregation in August this year. So I'll tell you more about that later. But right now, welcome Reverend Newsom Holmes. Thank you. I'm glad to be here with you, Ellen. Thanks. So before we begin our conversation about prayer and meditation, let's take a little moment to do that, shall we? Just a moment of pause and presence, a yoga moment, a moment of opening our hearts, opening our minds to divine omnipresence. Becoming aware right where we are of this infinite divine reality, this divine presence that is called by many names. That's the source and the substance of all that is. So right where we are, wherever you are, that presence is expressing in and through and as you. And that divine presence is the source of life of support, of joy, of peace. So with an in-breath now, let's simply dive into the awareness of that presence as our life. With the out-breath, let go of 
any struggle, any thoughts of the past or the future, and just come into this holy moment, experiencing the truth of our being as spiritual, an easy breath in, an easy breath out. And then, if you like, with the in-breath, it's an affirmation, I am. And with the out-breath, peace. I am peace. And feel that peace permeating your mind and your body. And know that peace is always available because it is quality of your own essence of being, peace, pervading your mind, pervading your body, and blessing all of your relationships. Paramahansa Yogananda said we can take our portable peace with us into every situation. So let's do that today. Be mindful, be aware of the peace that we are, and take that peace with us into every encounter. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. Peace, peace, peace. Again, I want to uh, welcome Reverend Newsom Holmes from Unity of the Triangle in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And Newsom, so we're going to be talking about prayer and meditation today, and I, I noticed in in your bio, and of course, from meeting you, that you know you have a very rich background of study and practice. Um, you're not one who's been shy about diving into uh, various modalities. Um, you know, exploring how how spirit expresses in our lives. So, you know, how did that how did that express itself for you early on? You know, what led you on your path of ministry? Uh, <clears throat> when I was about six years old, I remember telling someone I was going to be a minister. And, um, of course, I was kind of met with uh, a bit of, oh, yeah, how would you know, look, as I said that. But it seemed really real for me. And I kept that up for a long time, uh, I think until I was about 16, at which point I had been reading the New Testament on a daily basis just my own practice. Nobody was telling me to. I just thought it would get, bring me good luck. So I read a chapter a day. And um, I came to the conclusion, having done that, that the doctrine of the church was mistaken. <laughs> Brilliant 16-year-old theological discovery, I guess. But um, they, uh, the thing was that I just didn't think Jesus was the only son of God, that that was more universal than that, that, that the whole being a child of God was everyone, or at least included me. So um, I kind of left the church, went off and had a robust life as a um, 
as someone without a lot of uh, deep thinking going on and um, ended up uh, feeling like at some point I had lost that birthright of, of being a, a spiritual leader um, or or in somehow engaged with that. And so I started doing workshops largely on personal growth workshops. They went deeper into um, meditation and dream work, et cetera, and ended up after a few years of that in seminary as the next step. Mm. I didn't feel like I belonged in seminary. Um, so I got about halfway through it and started to think maybe I could do it and then realized I would never be able to do it in the Presbyterian uh, system I was in the seminary and ended up going to Unity Village and um, ultimately becoming a Unity Minister. And I was kind of the last to know that I would be a church minister. I thought I'd be a counselor. So um, I just stumbled into it, really. <laughs> yeah, I think that's often the the path of ministry, but it's very interesting, isn't it? You know, in our um, training of spiritual leaders at the center, I, you know, I have often taken people um, through a process to have them look into their childhood and the spiritual inclinations, you know, that they had early on. And uh, many people can remember that, not necessarily thinking about um, vocation as much as early spiritual experiences and somehow a calling um, to have their life um, express that. Um, I, I am very aware of um, a soul memory of uh, meditation, of you know, being a, a yogi early on. Because when I was a child, I remember meditating, although I'm, I'm sure it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't a good meditation. But I remember, you know, even I must have been like five or six years old, you know, just going into my room and closing the door and sitting on my bed, um, just sitting, you know, just sitting and contemplating and breathing, not doing anything, not wanting to play, not wanting to go anywhere. Um, and I, and I'm it's a strong memory because it really annoyed my brother because we shared a room and he, he could not come into the room, you know, while I was quote unquote meditating. <laughs> so I had that early, early, um, you know, what we call intimations, you know, I think of Wordsworth are intimations of immortality that sort of show us something about our path, um, early on. So, you know, one of the things we want to talk about today is, is prayer and meditation. So, um, you started off in a Christian tradition and then, you know, moved into a, a more universal metaphysical, um, path. And what has been your relationship to prayer, um, in your journey? Um, what did you learn about prayer and how does prayer sit with you today? Well, I think, um, <clears throat> I think one of the things about prayer is that it's kind of like, uh, an evolutionary thing that happens. You start off, uh, asking for stuff and you end up in another place. Um, if you continue the study of prayer, uh, in which you're more, trying to be something and not uh, asking so much. But I think the vestiges of all of that reside with me still. So I will ask for things. I will uh, do affirmations. I will um, try and um, 
surrender uh, and just be with something, it it kind of depends on where I am. When I'm in the foxhole, I'm doing a lot of asking. And when <laughs> things are going in a different way, I tend to be more uh, reflective. Um, I, I find that I'm more... I lean more on meditation than I do more on prayer, though. And what do you see as the distinction between prayer and meditation? That's a question I'm often asked. I think I think uh, I think what prayer addresses is the state of mind that you're in at the time. Um, so it is the mind talking in such a way as to give relief to the mind. So if you're feeling uh, helpless and, and, uh, or with more powerless in, in any form, that's when your beseeching prayers come out and you ask for a divine being to help you in some way. Um, if your state of mind is more settled and you're not so afraid, then uh, you might come into this uh, claiming your... Uh, you're good by doing affirmations or trying to establish a, a different way of thinking, especially at the subconscious level with affirmations and or denials. Um, and then as you go further, you might move into some of the more specific practices like Ho'oponopono or um, those type of practices which are asking you to take ownership of all that you see in front of you so it it i i think it it a uh, prayer kind of addresses uh in its own way what your mental state is so that prepares you for us for a more uh presence as you i think the word you used earlier uh, a, a state of presence and it kind of you use i think instinctively we use what we have um our, our style of prayer according to where we are at the moment. That, that's a beautiful um, explanation. I like that a lot. I, as you were as you were speaking, I was thinking about prayer kind of like a a, a rope in a life raft or something. You know, where you're um, you use that rope in a sense to help connect to another state of consciousness. Uh, another degree of receptivity. At least that's what I was thinking as I was listening to you, you yeah. talk. No matter where you start, I mean, certainly I, I know in my own life, I've I, I've had those prayers, you know, that are just basically help me, help me, help me. And um, and then there are other times when 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 my prayer is simply abiding in uh, a knowing of the divine power and presence in my life. And when I look at, you know, prayer versus meditation, I know some people say, well, you know, prayer is talking to God. Meditation is listening to God. Um, I don't really look at it in that way. Um, I, I, I think that, um, you know, for me, meditation is more intentional in terms of um, simply letting go of any kind of thought process and, you know, allowing my um, mind to become still. Um, and and prayer, I think, is more um, directive, at least in terms of where we begin. And perhaps prayer can lead into um, meditation. Um, you know, there's a whole... Um, 
conversation about, you know, which is more effective, directive prayer or non-directive prayer? You know, in other words, asking for what you want or simply being open to receive. Do um, you have a thought about that? Well, um, let's ask it more simply. Do you think prayer works? <laughs> um, one of the uh, sophisticated things that I think Munity has said about prayer is that um, we pray not to change God's mind, but to change our own. And um, in that sense, I think when we are really clear that that's what we're doing, changing our own mind, I think it's very effective. I think anytime you ask for transformation or pray for inner peace or something like that, you, I think the chances of being rewarded are enormous. Uh, when we ask to have uh, a material external thing happen, um, it may take a while. It may not work at all. It may come, and then you may not want it. Um, I think as long as we realize that we're really after a, a change of mind, a change of state, then I think, yeah, it's pretty effective. Yeah, and it seems to me that that change of mind, um, that change of consciousness, then opens us to um, healing, you know, it opens us to the ways in which um, life um, is inclined to support our transformation. Absolutely. So, um, that's, I think that's, if I could describe the way that it works, I would say that. It's, it's, it's becoming available, um, changing our minds, you know, from, from fear, from doubt, from lack, into an experience of presence that then... Um, opens us, you know, more fully to healing power um, and, and to being open to uh, those opportunities um, that, that life is, you know, uh, inclined to send, to send our, our way. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a fan of the non-directed uh, form of prayer um, because I've learned, you know, I've been around for a little while, and so I've learned that um, very often what I want in my life is not necessarily the highest and best, you know, that life would provide. And, and, and I have wanted things in my life and <laughs> prayed for them and received them. And, you know, like you say later, just that, oh, this was not a great idea. You know, we just don't necessarily have the you know, full awareness of what that thing that we're praying for is going to bring. So I like if you want to pray for work, for example, to to pray for the highest and best way in which you can serve, in which you can thrive and prosper and help others thrive and prosper, rather than praying for that particular job or position, right? Because then yeah. when you get there, you might go, oh, geez. Yeah, I, I, I thoroughly agree. I'm not... Um, I, I want to tell a little story. When I was in seminary, I um, took a class on prosperity. Uh, in this class, you, we were asked to tithe, and we were asked to do um, a 12-step program, essentially, and to do several other things, and I ended up doing two things. I, I began tithing, and I also began to say af the affirmation, I am prosperous. And I got so into saying that, I probably said it on the average of 2,000 times a day. And that went on for like, which really doesn't take that long. I had a 15-minute drive each way to a class, and I had a 20-minute run each day. And in those time periods, I could get the 2,000 in. Um, 
it completely changed my mind from feeling like I was always behind the curve financially to feeling prosperous. And the feeling of being prosperous, I think, um, if there is anything in the law of attraction, brought to me this um, forty thousand dollars that I was uh, uh, that my brother sent me out of something we owned jointly that he sold, and um, I did nothing for it. I think that, but I came to a state of awareness that I was prosperous even before the money came, mm-hmm. and um, so I do think you can take a specific problem that you have, address it with affirmations and make a change in yourself, which ultimately, like you said, may lead to the outer world following suit. Uh, And I think it's much more permanent, more universal. You know, I went a long time without ever feeling poor again um, because something inside me had been changed. Yeah, I I agree. And I've had, of course, very similar um, things occur in my own life and in terms of affirmative prayer um, that affirming you know I am prosperous or you know I am healthy I am vital I am compassionate I am wise you know all of that um, you know in our metaphysical teachings is just a matter of affirming your infinite capacity, you know, living from a different place of awareness about, you know, what you are versus, you know, the mind of lack, like I'm, I'm in trouble. I don't have enough, you know, my my body is, you know, unhealthy or sick or, you know, whatever, where the mind is just always focused on lack. Um, I think our metaphysical teachings have just done, you know, wonderful job of showing us how we can, drop into an affirmative statement that isn't a, you know, it isn't a a Pollyanna kind of statement like, okay, you know, my checkbook is empty, but, you know, but I am prosperous. (laughs) And, you know, we know we used to talk about this, you know, teaching is not like having, you know, your car is out of gas and you just put a piece of tape over the gas tank. Um, It's not like that because, you know, your your car's not going to work if you do that. But it is it is really changing your consciousness from lack to a deeper form of abundance because any time, I mean, you, you can know that you are prosperous because um, that's the truth of your being and, and you have lots of evidence for it in lots of ways, even if you're struggling financially at the moment. And of course, that's the key, right? You know, at the moment, um, you're in this field of energy <laughs> and that energy is always changing form. And so you're, in a way, just changing your consciousness to open up to a different form of energy. That's a beautiful story about changing your mind. Yeah, maybe we should do a plug for your book. Um, I think I've been reading your book. I think it's an excellent book on prosperity. Thank you. Because it does deal with the inside-out experience of it. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I'm I'm looking forward to being there and being able to share uh, about it. And um, you know, of course, people wonder. Well, and I'm sure you get this question too. You know, how, how do you, how does prosperity, you know, connect with the spiritual life? You know, and we've had this ridiculous split, you know, in our consciousness, in our national mind, in our global mind, you know, between um, the so-called material world and the so-called spiritual life. 
And, you know, there's plenty of stuff in every tradition that talks about, you know, the evils of money and, you know, so on and so forth. So people come into an awareness that somehow that part of life is not holy, but I'm sort of on a campaign, you know, to help heal that because I think it has to do with the fundamental split that we, you know, somehow picked up along the way between our, you know, so-called material life and so-called spiritual life. So, um, we have to heal that because in my mind, you know, that's really at the, at, at, at the foundation of, you know, some of the global um, ills that we have of being out of balance and even out of right relationship with the earth um, because we see that as material and, you know, there's heaven and earth and uh, in our tradition of yoga it's just a continuum, you know, it's one reality. And I'm guessing you would agree about that one reality. Yeah. And I think one of the things about, um, true spirituality is about kindness. And so there's kindness to others, but there's also kindness to self and to, to withhold, um, the beauty of this world, the, the physical world from yourself in whatever form you, you do by, by saying it's not good because I want to be spiritual is it's not kind. And, uh, I think, uh, truly spiritual people are kind, uh, both to self and other. And so a gentle, um, acceptance that the world is willing and able to supply your needs, um, is a beautiful thing and does not take away from your advancement in, more subtle aspects of life. I totally agree. And in fact, understanding that I think um, contributes, you know, to our ability to um, experience spiritual transformation. You know, there's the saying that it's easy to be a saint on a mountaintop and, um, you know, it's like being by yourself and not engaging in life. But if you, you know, have a, a goal to engage with life, to prosper and to contribute to the well-being of all um, and to be kind and to grow in kindness and to share that, then um, you have to transform along the way. And that and, and, you know, you bump up against your edges and, and it's it's how we grow. So I'm totally in favor of that. Um, I am so excited to be talking to Reverend Newsom Holmes today. And we're just talking about prayer and meditation and how our lives can be changed by that. I'm forward to with at the triangle in August we are spiritual beings having a human experience welcome to unity online radio the voice of an awakening world When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. 
Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment by Ed McShane, a coach for your heart. When you are compassionate toward another person, you will be happier, scientifically proven. However, being compassionate has a prerequisite. Give the other person the benefit of the doubt. So to achieve a nearly instantaneous state of compassion, follow these three steps. First, take a deep breath. You feel conflict, annoyance, upset, breathe. It takes a little time to train yourself, but in time it will be reflexive. Secondly, offer a blessing and a statement of forgiveness to whomever upsets you. Bless their hearts, they probably started off the day badly, is an excellent way to reset your offering the benefit of the doubt and bringing your compassion to the front of your heart. Then breathe again and say the following. I hope they're going to find a little peace today. The benefit of the doubt precedes compassion. To find out more about A Coach for Your Heart, visit acoachforyourheart.com. Hello, this is Andrew Harvey, and I'd like to invite you to join me next February on a pilgrimage to the artistic, historical, and spiritual soul of North India. Or journey to the sacred heart of Sri Lanka with us next March and explore the healing depths of Buddhist traditions, meditation, and art. Both are trips for mind, body, and spirit. Learn more at sacredearthjourneys.ca. Fifty years ago, on July 20th, Apollo 11 made its historic landing on the moon with astronaut Buzz Aldrin carrying the prayer for protection. The little prayer written by Unity poet James Dillett Freeman still speaks to us today. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is. Read more of the story at unity.org slash prayer for protection. The world is full of people with amazing stories. I'm Diane Ray, and make plans to join me every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central for my radio show, Be Present. Each week, I invite you to join in the conversation as I talk to guests about health and wellness, spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and a lot more. I want to share information that you can apply to your life today. Listen live or download the show later on demand. I hope you can tune in here on UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm here today with Reverend Newsom Holmes, Senior Minister of Unity of the Triangle in Raleigh, North Carolina, and their website is unitytriangle.org, and um, I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. If you're listening in real time, um, I will be there August 17th, 2019, and that day... Um, uh, I was invited to offer a all-day meditation seminar teaching the practices of Kriya Yoga. So I'm really excited about bringing that to North Carolina. And then Sunday, I'll be with them for worship services and afternoon worship, um, workshop on how to prosper without losing your soul along the way. So that's August 17th and 18th at Unity of the Triangle in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. So Reverend Newsom and I are talking about prayer and meditation 
and a little bit about our, our own experiences of that. And um, so Reverend Newsom, one of the things that um, I find, you know, people come to me over the years about is, you know, wanting to pray, wanting to learn how to pray. And then there are certain things that get in the way of um, feeling that prayer can be effective for them. Um, what kind of challenges do you think people have with prayer? Well, I, I do think that that uh, one of the things that's quite difficult is is to judge the outcome against um, your request to say you know um, uh, one of my favorite was is, is you know the uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle uh, Vassal Tassel Vassal Tome time for this one to go home you know get me out of here uh, that um, often you don't get out you're you're still there you're still working through it and I I, I think um, it is to put our idea of what's the best outcome or what's needed in this moment, put that forward and to do the, um, I know what's best for me versus um, the sense of acceptance as things are. Um, I, 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 Byron Katie is someone who says, you know, if with, uh, since you know so much, who needs God, right? That was, you know, um, I think it's a clever way of, uh, addressing our thought that we need something to be a certain way before we can be happier or peaceful. Mm, yeah, um, that's the that the bugaboo we call attachment to um, specific outcomes, <laughs> which is is problematic. You know, in one way, um, of course, we want to be relieved from our stress um, and. You know, in the teachings of of yoga, there there is a fundamental principle that if you can change your consciousness, if you can become aware of the higher truth about life, the higher truth about your your own existence, um, you can actually um, find freedom from that duress from that stress wherever you are whatever the circumstances are you know you learn to understand circumstances as temporary and what you are as a spiritual being so no matter what the circumstances are that prayer that transformative prayer or that contemplative insight can bring um a, a relief and a um and healing, really, it's healing, you know, mm -hmm. to be restored to wholeness, to, to know the truth of, of what you are. But becoming attached, you know, to a particular outcome um, is really difficult because then, you know, you like I was saying earlier, you may you get it and then you may be disappointed or you don't get it and, and you're still disappointed. <laughs> so it's like, you know, learning what is it that you want, you know, um, uh, my... Uh, my, tea, my spiritual teacher, Roy Eugene Davis, said that Paramahansa Yogananda taught people to pray um, by simply beginning, you know, with a prayer, you know, Father, you know, referring to God as Father, reveal yourself, reveal yourself, you know, let me, let me see the truth. Um, and of course, that's a, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful prayer. 
Um, one of the challenges besides being attached to a particular outcome that I've seen is that, um, especially when you're working pe with people who are new to um, metaphysics or to yoga, there's usually some old ideas about the divine that are not that helpful. Um, you know, people have strange ideas about God, you know, that God would punish them, right, or mm -hmm. cause difficulty in their life. And, um, and, 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 and so I find that sometimes what has to happen is that the old God, you know, the old God idea, that, that old idea has to go or that God has to be fired, you know, before you can... Um, come into a relationship of understanding that, you know, God is your life, God is your support, and that what you want in a sense of, you know, wanting a, a, a life of, of um, freedom, you know, of joy, of healing, the divine reality wants for you because that's its inclination. You, you are it, you know, in, in a sense, you could say it wants that for itself. And it's not, you know, so people worry about, their um, their inclinations, you know, to want healing or blessing and feeling like, you know, maybe God doesn't want that for them, but that's old thinking. I'm sure you run into that. Have you seen that one? Yeah, um, I do think that's really true. I, I um, you know, the, the idea that the divine is not a being of separate a separate being out there with um, likes and dislikes and you better be on the good side of that likes uh, or things will go badly for you uh, that is is our cultural norm right now and for to awaken to something grander than that or more honest I think really um, it does take a while and I think that's why um, the residue of that thought stays with us. And that's why I think it's good to have a repertoire of prayers, some of which are not very enlightened, like get me out of here. Um, and then a more wise one might show up next, but it takes people. It's taken me a long time to, um, to incorporate uh, uh, higher teachings in my instinctual prayers right the ones that come at you know i could if i being a teacher i i have the uh obligation to to display my best wares in public but <laughs> in private um i still fall back on some um rather rudimentary and and uh wrong-minded prayers but uh i don't s stay there mm. um so I don't really think it's a problem to pray wrongly. I just think it's a problem to pray wrongly and continue to pray wrongly. By praying wrongly, I mean reinforcing this idea of you're not enough, that, that God has to be appeased or asked before mm -hmm. the divine mm -hmm. will help you, those kind of things. Um, that's how you feel at the moment, but then it's good to move off that, in, in, in my opinion. Um, so I getting stuck with the old way of thinking can be problematic. Yeah, I think it can be a big problem. Well, and once you're on a path of regular meditation and prayer and study, you know, in, in the Kriya Yoga tradition, we have a big emphasis on study. 
um, study of scripture, study of yourself, you know, of your own mind and consciousness. And so once you begin to have a spiritual foundation in your life that is, uh, you know, contemplation of the nature of reality, direct experiences of presence in meditation, you, you know, you may have a, a moment like you're speaking of where, you know, you just um, become scared and you're in the help me prayer like there's something, you know, outside of you. Um, but it doesn't last because you you have a deeper experience, you know, you're in a, you're on a transformative path and you have a a higher or deeper awareness that you can come back to. And, and I think that brings us to, I mean, during the break when Reverend Newsom and I were talking, he, he reached out to Reverend Anna, who's there also in the room about, okay, well, what would you say about this one? You know, what's one of the problems we have in prayer. And so I want to give her credit um, because it was a really great insight. And she said, um, one of the problems people have with prayer is that um, it, it, it's often used only for, for emergency situations. And um, that means that they have not developed uh what we would call a prayer life. And um, I thought that was very astute that, you know, having um, a stronger foundation um, with prayer, you know, every day um, helps us when those times of need come along. Didn't you think that was brilliant? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anna is brilliant. I mean, and <laughs> Anna is a, um, is a great prayer. She does a really good job of, uh, she does a lot of our pastoral care work here, and she does a great job of taking people where they are, and then at the same time pointing them toward um, a higher state. And I, I think that's uh, one of the things Unity has is a, um, a, a good training for what we call prayer chaplains, people in our church who pray with people. They they stand around waiting for people to pray with them uh, after and before church. And they call people on a monthly basis that are members and pray with them. I, I think what I have found is that the people who really benefit from that praying for others uh, it, are the prayer chaplains themselves. They, yeah. they become deeper in their own understanding and sense of, uh, connected withness with the divine, um, and uh, so I think um, the the practice of prayer. One of the problems with the practice of prayer is we tend to make it about us. But if we can make it just about uh, praying, you know, getting into that deeper state, then um, I think it has um, a conditioning effect on our own mind and takes us away from the emergency situations in general it, mm -hmm. it's not um, it's not like foolproof that you'll never have a problem but it, it does tend to give a, uh, a kind of like an athlete a, a level of of health that helped you will help you in any situation yeah i think that's a um a beautiful way to say it and, and then we can think about prayer as the way in which we are um, daily and throughout our day, you know, entering into communion um, with that presence, however you think of it, you know, prayer is kind of like an on-ramp <laughs> to that, to entering into that sense of presence. Um, do you have a, a particular prayer practice that, that you use yourself or that you recommend for others? Um, 
you know, one of the uh, prayer practices that I find quite powerful and um, and also holds the very elevated point of view that um, you are the source of your experience uh, is Ho'oponopono, um, which uh, I <clears throat> have used at times with a remarkable results. I once had someone um, in my building who was yelling um, and had been yelling at uh, the person he lived with for um, for weeks, and it was beginning to disturb me. And I did Ho'oponopono, and when I finally got that I too was yelling, that it was me who was doing the yelling in this practice uh, of prayer, I got that. The guy shut up and never did it again. And so tell me, um, tell me, um, maybe if you could spell it. I haven't heard of this prayer practice before. So where is it, where does it come from? What, and how what how do you spell it? Uh, oh, it's H O P O N O P O N O. Okay. And um, it's this. There was a Dr. Lin. Maybe you've heard of this guy. There was a Dr. Lin who was. Um, put in charge of the criminally mentally ill. Uh, it was a lockdown facility. They had a terrible recidivism and, um, and there was so much violence in there. They couldn't keep staffers. Uh, <clears throat> he did not actually interact with the, the inmates. He basically read their chart and did this prayer, which says, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And I love you. And the meaning of it is this. When you say I'm sorry is that I recognize that you are in my reality and being in my reality, you are my responsibility. You are mine. You are, it is me that that's my reality, not like it's out there. So I'm sorry, says I recognize that I'm at least part and parcel of this experience. Please forgive me means uh, take this this thought virus from my consciousness take this virus out of my awareness please so the let's say it's a uh, uh, well this guy yelling is is an example so this guy yelling has to take this out of my, this virus of anger and uh, attack out of my consciousness and then when it's gone, and usually you can feel it shift, when it's gone, you say, thank you, as you would. And then you come back to this unconditional state of loving, which is, I love you. And if in your consciousness, if you're using this as an ongoing practice, if in your consciousness you look around and there's something that keeps you from loving, then you start with that. You go, oh, I'm sorry. So let's say it's the war in the Middle East or there's then you could do it on that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Or it could be your um, your uh, a person who's ill. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. It is if it's in your consciousness, it is yours. Is the is the underlying thought. And so you ask to have your own consciousness cleansed, healed. Um, and the the phrasing sounds a little bit sin salvation oriented, but. Um, the deeper meaning is, please take this virus out of my consciousness. And when you have that, thank you. Then I love you. Mm -hmm. And really, if you if you're looking at it metaphysically, then you know, of course, we understand the 
the world as appearance and you know what we're seeing is of course in our consciousness and um so asking for it to be you know removed is um you know i think metaphysically is our willingness right to change our consciousness and uh, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful prayer. And um, one of the, you know, we were talking about challenges to prayer. And one of the things I think could come up even with this beautiful prayer is um, I find that people have trouble making a distinction between blame and responsibility. And so that's, that's one of the sharp edges of metaphysics. You know, if we, if we say, okay, you know, you have a connection to, you have a responsibility for whatever is appearing um, in your life, then sometimes that shows up as um, it's my fault. You know, it's my fault that this happened, um, that this happened to me. And um, so uh, of course that, that is not, an accurate way of seeing it, but that's kind of the default of where people go with it. Have you seen that? And what do you do about that one? Uh, yeah. So uh, I think in Buddhism, they call that the near enemy, the one that looks a whole lot like the, uh, the good thing, um, taking responsibility, being the good thing and the near enemy being guilty. And I, I, I would say that, you know, it's a risk you should take, <laughs> um, you know, um, it's tricky being responsible and not ever feeling guilty. And, um, you know, I think we have this built-in habit of feeling guilty as a negative reinforcement so that we don't do the same thing again, right? But uh, sometimes it, it gets a little um, over, it, it exceeds what it's, where it's helpful. And so... I think you just have to work with yourself if you get to that point where you feel guilty. It's like, okay, that's not the purpose here. And then you can do ho'oponopono on feeling guilty. You could say, I'm sorry, please forgive me for mm -hmm. feeling guilty and mm -hmm. being diminished by that. Um, take this from me. If you were using the same type of prayer, or you could do affirmations or something um, that affirms your goodness. I think study and um, contemplation, actually becoming clear about the value and, and uh, of being responsible and the expense of being guilty can be helpful. Um, guilt's a tough one, but it's, it's almost like um, collateral damage when we try to take responsibility. Sometimes we have a sense of guilt. And actually, sometimes I think it's actually accurate. You are, yeah. you are guilty. Could be appropriate. Yeah. I, I like your um, instruction, you know, like just go ahead and risk it, I think is, is, is a lovely way to say in, enter into it, explore, you know, part of living a spiritual life is learning how to be fearless. Um, you know, not that you're never afraid, but learning how to step into what is uncomfortable um, learning how to develop, in a sense, your spiritual groundedness to be able to face situations with, you know, um, compassionate curiosity is a good way to think of it. You know, so what is my responsibility in this? Um, not in terms of what did I do wrong, but what, you know, how can I be curious about, um, you know, what, what, what piece is mine here so that 
I think if people can understand ultimately that this is empowering, it's a way out of being victimized by circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the key, right? That's the exciting key about it. It's not about, you know, looking at, well, what's my part in it in terms of, you know, what did I do wrong? Um, you know, yes, you're right. You know, maybe you did do something wrong, but it doesn't have that edge to it. It, it is, if I can understand my connection to this, I can unplug my connection to it and yeah. let the energy shift and change and become something new. But until I can discern my own connection, it's going to just be right there in my field of awareness. Yeah. And so it's very empowering. It's per- Yeah, it's perfectly said. And I, I do think, you know, um, maybe a contraindicator for the like, the Ho'oponopono prayer would be, if you tend to feel guilty all the time, maybe this is not the one you want. Maybe you should start, <laughs> you know, maybe you should start with affirmations or maybe you should start with um, loving kindness meditation where you say, may I be happy, may all beings be happy. Mm-hmm. That that kind of prayer. Don't start with one that would trigger your tendency to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. You know? Or to feel shamed. I mean, the one right. place that I see it more is... Um, when people have, you know, they lose a job or a relationship has fallen apart or they become sick and, you know, to look at how am I responsible for this, um, y- you know, it, it becomes a kind of shaming, you know, like it was your fault, you know, right. um, which is just not the case. You know, it, it is looking at how can I change my consciousness, you know, to shift into a mode of empowerment and, you know, how can I support my own, um, healing? And, um, so I think that that is at the, at the crux of it. So we have just one, one minute left. And so I, I would like to know, um, for you, you know, what, you know, what kind of encouragement or inspiration do you have, um, for our listeners about prayer and its possibility. Well, I do think that um, uh, kind of in this, uh, you are the captain of your fate, that if you can use prayer in a skillful way, you can begin to bend your awareness toward the presence on a more constant basis. And um, and I do think uh, it it should become with it should come with a bit of exploration of of uh, metaphysics or theological or or some way of getting beyond um, a childish way of seeing spirituality and move into more adult ways. If you do, if you couple it with that, I think it begins to be a powerful instrument for awakening into uh, higher states of of awareness. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. So well said. And it's that, you know, it's that combination of contemplation study, which, you know, helps us to see more clearly the nature of reality, and then direct experience, you know, through prayer and meditation, that um, it's not enough, really, to just to just read um, what someone else said, even if their words are, are enlightened, it has to 
become real for us. And the only way it becomes real is, is through our experience. So through our prayer, through our meditation, you know, we begin to have experiences in life where we know um, that that divine consciousness is real. Well, Reverend Newsom, I want to thank you so much for, for being with me this morning. And um, I, I just want to remind um, people who are tuned in in uh, our community and yours in the greater community that I look forward to being there at Unity of the Triangle. Uh, in August of 2019, I'll be there on Saturday the 17th for a full day meditation workshop, meditation in the Kriya Yoga tradition, and Sunday, a glorious day with your community of offering the inspirational message in the morning, an afternoon workshop um, from my new book, The Jewel of Abundance, and thanks so much for mentioning that. <laughs> I'm so uh, happy you come in. We're really excited for it. You've You've come several years in a row now, and uh, it's a highlight of the year. Thank you for coming. Thank you. It's it's really um, a joy um, to be there with you and with your uh, community. So I want to take a moment to thank everybody. I'm thanking you for being here, but thank everybody who's part of the Yoga Hour team. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment and Meditation Center in the Kriya Yoga tradition in San Jose. Um, and you can find out more about CSE at csecenter.org. That's csecenter.org or at my author website, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.